0: You may be seated as god's people we are like no other people because our god is like no other god on my parents 50th wedding anniversary we gathered as a family at their home to celebrate their marriage and on one of those evenings of that weekend my father wanted to say something to all of us so we gathered in the living room and he began to share from his heart about his life's experiences as well as his love for and pride over his family. And it was a really special time. But I've come to understand what he was actually doing was sharing with us, in effect, his last words, those words, those things he really wanted us to know before he died. Similarly, Moses shared the things he really wanted that new generation to know before he died. Now, unlike my father, who had no knowledge of when he would die, Moses was pretty clear on when he would die. In fact, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 48 through 52, God said, Moses, it's time for you to go up Mount Nebo and die. I mean, just like that, according to the scriptures. And in chapter 34, we find that Moses obeyed. He went up on top of Mount Nebo, looked over at the promised land, and died. We find in chapter 34 a record of his death and probably one of the most unique eulogies in all of human history. Sandwiched between Moses being ordered by God to go up Mount Nebo and die and his actually death and eulogy in 34, we find his last words. To that nation, his last words to the nation that he had led for all of those years. And now he spoke to them from his heart. He wanted to tell the people certain things that he believed were of the utmost importance to them as they crossed over the Jordan in obedience to God to take possession of that which God had promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey. But there was one matter that needed to be dealt with. The Canaanites needed to be dispossessed. Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. And then that introduces the entire chapter, chapter 33. Moses wanted them to know that they were a blessed nation. They were a blessed nation because God established them and God set himself up as their king. We see that in verses 2 through 5. Moses wanted them to know that God would bless them specifically. And so the bulk of the chapter from verses 6 through 25 details the blessings that Moses placed on each of the tribes of Israel. But I want to focus today on the heart of what Moses wanted that generation to know before he died, and we find the heart being given in verses 26 through 29 of chapter 33. The last four verses of chapter 33 are much like the last verses of chapter 3 in the book of Habakkuk that Derek read earlier as our call to worship, a hymn, Habakkuk, a hymn of faith. Here in Deuteronomy, we we might view this as a hymn of blessing for the people. What Moses really wanted the nation to know is that they were a people like no other people on the face of the earth. Not because they were inherently good, great, or superior. In fact, they were the least. They were like no other nation because their God was like no other God. That's what he wanted them to know. And we see in this text, in these four verses, three dimensions, three layers of blessing. You may say, why why were the Israelites so blessed? And here's the answer. God, God, and God. They were blessed because God was their sovereign helper king. They were blessed because God was their eternal protector king. They were blessed because God was their triumphant warrior king. And we'll look at those three dimensions of blessing as we work through this passage. And see if you can pick them up as we read together chapter 33 verses 26 through 29. Now God's word for God's people. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. So Israel lived in safety, Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine, whose heavens Drop down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heaven. It revives the soul. It is perfect. It may it revive our souls today. Let us pray. God, our Father, give us an even bigger understanding and vision of who you are. Father, I pray that you would show us how blessed we are because of who you are. And that we might be encouraged today because you are our God. And because of that, we are a people like no other people. And we pray and ask this. In Jesus' name, amen. First, God's people are blessed like no other people because God is a God like no other God. He is our sovereign Helper King. We might think of him as the ultimate first responder. Many of us remember the tragic days of 9-11-2001 as terrorists attacked our country. The duty of the first responder was so vividly displayed on that day and it's etched in our minds. Many were riveted to the TV as I was watching those in danger fleeing danger running from it while first responders were running towards the danger to help those in need. We are blessed as a nation to have men and women who sign up to run towards the danger to help us when we are in need. How much more as a people of an eternal kingdom are we blessed that our God is always running to us in danger as the ultimate first responder coming to our aid. I appreciated Derek's sermon last week on Psalm 70, where, at least in my words, he encouraged us to be like David, cry out for help and cry to the right one, God, in our time of need. And that psalm, Psalm 70 is can be viewed as being from the perspective of David, from the perspective of man who cries out to God. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 26 is very similar to Psalm 70. It's about help, but it's from the perspective of God. He is our helper who comes to our need. This first dimension of blessing, what Moses really wanted the people to know as they were going into the land to possess it, as they were going into danger, is that he is the ultimate first responder. He is their helper king. He comes to them in danger. Moses began, verse 26, focusing not on Israel, but on God. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help through disguise in his majesty isn't that powerful imagery of god riding through the heavens to our help the one who was all majestic coming to the aid of his people rich language symbolizing god's absolute power and majesty as the ultimate first responder for his people In Psalm 18.10, David uses similar imagery when he says this. Speaking of God, he rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. As we reflect back on 9-11-2001, we recall with deep, deep appreciation that many of those first responders heroically gave their lives in service to others. And we honor their memory. An understanding of sacrificial service. But the ultimate first responder is not like that. He is transcendent. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He will never become a victim as he is fulfilling his duty as the ultimate first responder. He will never succumb to the danger. He will successfully come. He will swiftly come, swiftly in his timing. He will come to the aid of his people think of Israel they are on the east side of the Jordan River waiting to go in in obedience to God they have a new leader who has been groomed to lead but hasn't been tested as a leader and then they already know that their enemy on the west side of the Jordan River, the inhabitants of the Canaanites are mighty more in number Maybe even more in stature. (laughs) Mighty warriors. And here they are, ready to go over. Moses wanted them to know before he died that as they obeyed God and crossed that river and went to war with those people, that their God, and they were like no other people because their God was like no other God. He was the helper king, their ultimate first responder who would come to their aid as they stepped out in faith to obey his commands. And nothing would stop the Helper King from responding to their need. What a blessing for them, what a blessing for us. Just to reflect a minute on our situation here, God is still the Helper King. He is still our ultimate first responder We are still people who are in need, as Derek pointed out last week. And when we step out in faith to obey God's commands, we can count on the Helper King, our ultimate first responder, to come to our aid. Of course, whenever we step out in obedience to God, it's not if we face opposition. We will face opposition. It's when we face opposition. Now, we're not crossing a river. Unless we're going to North Little Rock. And we're not conquering a people group across the river. But God does call us to obedience. He calls us to vocations. We step out in faith and obedience. We will be opposed. And what Moses wanted the new generation to know before he died, what he wants us to know is that God is the ultimate first responder. He will powerfully and majestically come to our aid and nothing will stop Him. Verse 26 reminds us as as we step out in obedience, we can trust God. How He aids may perplex us. (laughs) It may not match up to what we think we need. When He aids may frustrate us. There are oftentimes, it seems like the first responder is not responding according to our timetable. But how God responds and when he responds is perfect, it's optimum, it's exactly what we need when we need it for our sanctification. God's people are like no other people. Because our God is like no other God. He's a God who blesses. By coming to our aid as the Helper King, the ultimate first responder. And as Derek encouraged us last week, I'll encourage us again this week. Therefore, trust the Helper King. Second, God's people are like no other because God is like no other God. He is our eternal Protector King, the ultimate Savior. Many of us have designated rooms or areas of our homes that are safe places. So when the, the weather report comes and the meteorologist says there's bad weather coming, make sure you know where your safe place is and flee to it whenever you hear the siren go off or whenever you are given the tornado warning for, for example. Well, every safe place is a temporary refuge, but it's an imperfect temporary refuge. Even if you have a bunker that could withstand the strongest tornado, a direct hit by the strongest tornado. You can't live in a bunker. We live in a dangerous world. And safety is a premium, it's something we, we seek. And yet, the things of this world cannot provide even temporal safety completely. Moses wanted Israel to know before he died about this second dimension of blessing. That God was their daily moment by moment protector king as they stepped out in faith to obey his commands. Moses described uh, God as Israel's in verse 27, Israel's dwelling place In other words, God is a refuge. God is a safe place for his people. Moses wanted Israel to know before he died about their true dwelling place, their true refuge. And it wasn't a walled city like Jerusalem will become in later history. It was not a place, but an eternal person. That was their safe place, the eternal protector God. No matter where they were, no matter what the danger was, they were saved. No matter how fierce the battle would be, they were saved, not in a place, but in a person, the eternal God. No no matter how powerful the storm on the Sea of Galilee, or in your life today, and in my life today, and in our world today, God's people are saved, not because they're in the right place, but because they, they trust in the right person. Moses turned and and described in in a vivid way the the dependability of God as our safe place, as our protector king. First, underneath are the everlasting arms, verse 27. Colin Dalich, these are uh, older commentators, a generation ago, but in their commentary, they, they make much out of the fact that as as Moses speaks about the everlasting arms being underneath, it implies that the that God is enthroned above. So the one that is enthroned above is also the one whose arms are underneath. It's the transcendence and eminence of God. He is out of and not part of creation, but he's also he's with us as well. Beautiful imagery here of those. Those arms that are, those eternal arms that are underneath, bearing us up, rich picture of God's dependability of being our safe place, of bearing us up. That term everlasting points to the fact that, you know, we may tire of holding our children in our arms. We may tire of holding a bag of groceries in our arms, but God never tires of holding all of his people in his arms all the time holding the universe in his arms all the time he is never exhausted the eternal arms that are underneath are bearing us up faithfully dependably eternally not only is he a safe place the text tells us but secondly he makes us safe by routing every enemy The immediate enemy of the Israelites were those inhabitants of Canaan, the Canaanites. But I believe Moses wanted Israel not merely to understand the routing of the enemy in that very immediate sense, but every enemy, for you and me today, every enemy, sin and death, for example, God keeps us safe by routing those things as well. And the result of God as our safe place in verse 27, so Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land. In other words, Israel will be separate from all the other nations, safe from them. And they'll be in a land that is bountiful. God will provide for them. Moses wanted the people to know before he died that they would be eternally safe, not because... Of their walled cities and fortresses or their prowess as an army because of their protector king, the ultimate safe place who would bear them up with his eternal arms and would rout every foe, including sin itself, including Satan himself, including every enemy of Jesus and his church. Listen, we're safe and God the Protector king. In Matthew 8, the passage that Bob read about the disciples who perceived that they were in a very unsafe place. They were in a boat in the Sea of Galilee and very ferocious storms could come up on the Sea of Galilee at a moment's notice. Really amazing. And so they were out and a storm came up, and they were fearful. They failed to understand their refuge was not a place but a person. And the person who was their refuge was right there with them in the boat, and he was asleep. Their faith was defective. They, they did not sense the reality of the everlasting arms underneath bearing them up and the ability of this safe person to rout even a storm to keep them safe. They lack faith and they fear. And then Jesus finally awakened, they awaken him. He rebukes them for demonstrating a lack of faith He rebuked the waves. He routed the storm, sent it away as as, as the safe person. And he reminded the disciples that he was their refuge. He was their dwelling place, their protector king, their safe place. Jesus was with them the whole time. And they didn't acknowledge him. They lacked faith. Each of us faced various storms. Difficult and fearful circumstances, sickness, the pandemic that we've been dealing with for weeks and months now, the most recent themes would be injustice and civil unrest across our nation. We face difficulties, we face storms with our finances, and maybe the greatest storm is our individual struggle day in and day out with sin if you're not in a storm you're not alive there's something brewing there's something that has brewed and we're in or there's something that has brewed and we were in and now we're just coming out of it and there's something else brewing and we'll be in the midst of another storm that's life And we need a protector king. We need a safe place in all of the storms of life. And that safe place, let me tell you, that safe place, Moses tells us, is God, the helper king, the ultimate safe place. Jesus bears us up. Jesus is in complete control. He is in such control that he's able to sleep and still be the ultimate safe place. What represents your boat today? What represents that which is causing you fear today? Remember, the safe person is in the unsafe place with you. On another occasion, there was another storm on the Sea of Galilee. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, the disciples, Jesus had dispatched them so he could go up and pray. He said, I want you to get in the boat, go across the Sea of Galilee, go to the other side. They did that. Storm came up. They were fearful. What caused even more fear is that they noticed there was someone walking on water. And yes, that would would be a disturbing sight. And they thought it was a ghost. But they realized that it was Jesus and and when Jesus spoke to them and calmed their fears, Peter said, Jesus, I want to come to you. And Jesus simply said, come. Peter hops out of the boat and he's walking on water towards Jesus. And what does Peter do? Keep his eyes fixed on Jesus? No, he started looking at the storm. He started looking at the waves. He began to doubt. He began to fear. He was sinking. And Jesus held out his hand to Peter and grabbed him and pulled him up. And Jesus said, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Verse 31 of Matthew 14. Trust in Jesus looks like keeping our eyes fixed on him in the midst of the storm instead of looking at the storm. I don't know about you, but I'm I find more than not, I'm looking at the storm. And so I should not be surprised that I fear if I'm looking at the storm. We can't ignore the storm. There are very fearful storms. But Jesus said, I'm greater than the storms. Ultimately, the storm is not going to overwhelm you and consume you. I am here. You keep looking at me. Don't doubt. Don't look at the waves. Look at me. Not your safe place, but your safe person. I'm with you all the time. I'm with you in the boat. I'm with you walking on water. God's people are like no other people on earth and in history. A people so blessed. Because our God is like no other God in all the universe and throughout all of time even in eternity he is our protector king our ultimate safe place whose everlasting arms are underneath bearing us up who routs every enemy before us and keeps us safe and then third God's people are like no other people on earth and in history because God is like no other God he is our triumphant warrior king the ultimate deliverer. You know, in this pandemic, I've caught myself depending quite a bit on government and health officials, and, and it's right to do so. Our government has sought to deliver us from health, economic, and social devastation that this virus has caused, and, and we should be thankful for all that our government and those agencies around us have done and are seeking to do but every government every human agency that might help are limited and are imperfect. Our government is limited in really defeating this silent and invisible enemy of COVID-19. We are thankful for their efforts to promote our well-being. But the fact of the matter is they're limited and can only deliver us in a limited degree. But the third dimension of blessing that Moses wanted to make sure the Israelites heard from him before he died was that God was their warrior king, their ultimate deliverer. Verse 29. They could go in and obey his commands to take possession of the promised land and fight all of those battles because God is the one who would fight for them. He would bring the victory. We see a warrior motif really throughout this entire hymn, especially in the last verse where Moses begins by saying, "'Happy are you, O Israel.'" Greatly blessed are you, O Israel. Congratulations, O Israel, as one commentator put it. You are so blessed. You are like none other. Because your God is like none other. He is the warrior king. The ultimate defender. Happy are you, O Israel. Who is like you? A people Saved by the Lord, verse 29. Moses depicted God, their warrior king, in a defensive posture. He is their shield, the shield of your help, verse 29b. The arrows and projectiles and whatever the enemy would fling at them would just simply bounce off them because of God. He was their shield, their defense. But you also see that God is an offensive warrior as well, the sword of your triumph, verse 29b as well. It's We think of the spiritual armament in Ephesians chapter 6. The sword is the only offensive weapon in the armament that we have by the Holy Spirit to fight the spiritual battle, but it's an offensive weapon. God is moving forward in the battle. He is wielding this, this sword to defeat the enemy. He is our warrior king. He fights for his people. We've already read about this in Deuteronomy. Chapter 1, verse 30. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 4. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to the fight for you uh, to go with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Israel was greatly blessed and profoundly distinct from all the other people groups in the entire world because their God was a God like none other. He was the warrior king, their ultimate deliverer. The victory was guaranteed. The end of verse 29, your enemies shall come fawning to you and you shall tread upon their backs, put your foot on their neck in victory. Moses wanted the people to know before he died that they would be triumphant as they obeyed his command to go in and take possession of the land not because they were superior warriors but because he was their warrior king he would save them he would deliver them Moses wanted them to know him the warrior king and depend on him and him alone for ultimate deliverance Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Psalm 146, and verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. While we are blessed in many ways by our government, by our nation's military, and by a whole host of people who seek to bring deliverance to us in a temporal way, our ultimate deliverance, our eternal deliverance is not from any of these earthly, human, and temporal sorts of deliverers. It is from the true deliverer, the ultimate deliverer, the, war, the warrior king, our God who is like no other God.
1: It is the deliverance through Christ
0: ultimately that is being preached here by Moses in Deuteronomy 33. In Mark 8 that that, uh, Bob read earlier, the disciples cry out, Save us, Lord! We are perishing. That is the right cry of one who knows they need deliverance. And the Lord delivered them. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul declares, grace and really begins the book of Galatians, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever The deliverer is Jesus, and Jesus ensures the victory. We read about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. When we know we have the victory in Jesus, we can go forth and obey the Lord with great passion and great commitment because he is our deliverer and he will save us from the enemy. God's people are like no other people on earth and in all of human history who are so greatly blessed because their God is like no other God in all the universe. He is their warrior king, their ultimate deliverer, the one who sets them free from sin the one who sets them free from death. The one who sets them free from the grip of the grave. The one who has triumphed over every foe. Sin and Satan included. Trust him. My father was able to share the things that were most on his part. The things that he really wanted to share before he died. It is a great blessing to me and to my family to have been able to hear Dad's last words, so to speak. Those things that he wanted to make sure we knew that evening. And he didn't know that 18 months later that he would die, and nor did we. But as I look back, I'm so thankful that he was able to tell us what he really wanted us to know and for us to hear what was on his heart. The last words of Moses are recorded on the pages of Holy Scripture and they are a blessing beyond understanding. A blessing to a generation that was about to obey God and do something that was unbelievable To go in and dispossess a mighty people and take a land. And it's a blessing to all of God's people spanning human history and continuing even to eternity. The the, the magnitude of this blessing, this, this great blessing here, goes well beyond a generation, goes well beyond a family. It spans all of human history and eternity. It's a blessing. For you and me today. God's people are blessed profoundly in these three dimensions of blessing. God, God, God. He blesses us as our helper king, the ultimate first responder always comes to our aid in power and majesty. We are blessed as our protector king, the ultimate safe place, bears us up with his everlasting arms and routs every foe. He blesses us as our warrior king, the ultimate deliverer, by being a shield and sword to mightily save and deliver his people. Yes and amen. God's people are like no other people in all of human history. Because our God is like no other God in all the universe. These three blessings are what Moses really wanted us to know before he died. And wants us to know today that we would trust him. Our God who is like no other God our God who blesses his people. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are our helper king, power and majesty coming to our aid. We thank you that you are our protector king, our safe place, bearing us up with those everlasting arms, routing every foe. We thank you that you are our warrior king, the ultimate deliverer, our shield and sword mighty to save. And we think about the blessing of being delivered from sin and death by Jesus. Father, receive our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.